Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore News Week. Uh, I am Joe Coglin. That is Martin Carlino, and we are two of the co-founders of the recordnorthshore.org, your friendly neighborhood nonprofit news site. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this is just another way we like to give you the news of the week. Um, short burst format. We just kind of run through the headlines of the week in three segments. We start with our lead story. We move into up and down the shore where we try to touch on every community that we cover from Glencoe down to Wilmette. And then we do our featured feature before sending you on your way. So uh, that's it. Pretty easy. Martin and I are, are almost fully recovered from our second COVID vaccine shots um, on the mend after a, a bit of a rough hangover from those. But um, we're here and we're ready. How you feeling, Mark? Well worth it, Joe. You know, uh, as you mentioned, knocked us down a little bit for a couple of days, but uh, but well worth it. Happy to happy and very thankful to have the chance to uh, to get vaccinated. Definitely, and we got a couple. Um, I'm with you on that, and we have a couple stories related to the vaccine that we're going to get into very shortly. But first, our lead story. We're going to start with something that came out of the elections uh, that took us a bit to work on before we wanted to present it to you, but. Um, on election night, you may have noticed, we have noticed a lot of women's names being the victors in these races. Um, seemed like it certainly was uh, something that stood out. Certainly it was uh, extraordinary, and it was, um, it turns out. So after looking through it all and putting the numbers together and seating the elected on these boards, now every governing board that is in Wilmette, which is really the big four, the, the Wilmette, I'm sorry, the village board, the park board, the school board, and the library board are all led by females, a majority females. I shouldn't say led because not all presidents, but they are majority women, um, at least four of seven. In some cases, seven of seven, all seven um, library board trustees are women for the first time ever. And just that all those um, boards are majority women is a first in Wilmette history. And that does not include, by the way, the Nutrition School Board, school board because um, it covers obviously a bit larger area, but that's also four of seven. And the Avoca School Board, which is also a larger area, um, multiple towns, but it is also four of seven. And the Wilmette Village President and Kenilworth Village Presidents are both women. So um, very Wilmette-dominated election. Um, first time ever that this kind of all happened simultaneously. Um, some pretty cool facts for you, I think, of the um, 13 people elected in um, in those four big, the four big boards, 10 of them are women, uh, were women um, elected. And um, it wasn't just that um, only women ran. Um, a lot of male incumbents, as we did point out on election night, were ousted from their seats, two from, from the village board, one from, I'm sorry, two from the library board, one from the village board, and one from the park board. Um, long-term, um, well-respected trustees. And so we have a story here where we talked to uh, the current village president of Wilmette, Senta Plunkett, as well as the first village president um, that was a woman um, from Wilmette, and that is uh, Nancy Canifax, just to get their thoughts um, on, on, you know, you know why this might happen, what kind of led to this burst. And, um, and I think something that was interesting from Nancy Canifax, she said, I think fundamentally and most importantly, uh, now uh, women are now able and eager to jump into the fray. They don't feel constricted uh, by the burdens of home maintenance and childcare as they can do it all. And the women are right, many of them, 
can do it all. And she said it also shows that um, on the voter side, um, most of Wilmette is not uh, subject to misogynistic fears. I always, I'm sorry about that word, misogynistic fears uh, that a lot have, at least a majority of voters. So pretty cool story. Um, we talked to a, a few others that you guys should check out the, the full read on this. Um, but it's, it's the first time that it happened. So history made in Wilmette and on the North Shore. Yeah, and I remember in my previous life when I covered nearby Northbrook in the 2019 local elections, um, two women were elected to Northbrook's village board, and that made it a, a woman majority on the board. And it was the first time in the history of the village of Northbrook that um, there had been a majority on, on the village board. So um, it's, it's really great to see that, you know, this is now something that's becoming more of a, a normalcy and something that's happening in other towns as well. Um, because I remember covering it in 2019, it, it struck out, it stuck out to me and something that was uh, really great to see. So now uh, with uh, another local election cycle here, here on the North Shore and Wilmette, it, it seems that we're, we're headed um, in a direction of this becoming more of a bit of a normal, which is a great thing, I think. So, Yeah, more of a, a trade-off between men and women on the board and um, equal opportunities um, and equal representation of the community um, is obviously important on these boards. And I think Santa Plunkett, we kicked, uh, the, we have a kicker from her in the story that basically says, you know, hopefully we won't be counting these numbers in a few years and um, the, these stories won't be necessary um, as we'll, we'll kind of even the playing field. So hopefully that's to come if it's not here already, but um, pretty cool special stuff out of Wilmette there for our lead story. Check out the full thing on the recordnorthshore.org. Moving on to up and down the shore, we're going to try to touch on every community. We're going to start at our northernmost point of our coverage area in Glencoe, um, where pizza's coming. Yeah, pizza, pizza. It's been a big pizza week here for the record. We just held our first uh, local pizza fundraiser. And thank you to everyone who stopped by Grateful Bites and, and had a chance to order at Grateful Bites in Winneka um, on Wednesday evening, this past Wednesday evening. We'll have some more fun pizza fundraisers coming up. So stay tuned for that. But back to the story, as Joe mentioned, a, uh, a pizza shop is eyeing a vacancy in downtown Glencoe at 668 Vernon Avenue. And uh, for those familiar with the area, this is a, a storefront that's been vacant for a little over, uh, for quite some time now, actually. And uh, last summer, a restaurant had actually submitted plans to the village to uh, try to occupy that space. But um, after some back and forth, they, they scrapped those plans. And now another restaurant in the form of a pizza shop is taking a chance at that space. So uh, I want to stress it's still very early on in the proceedings. They have received one round of approval from Glencoe, which is the uh, exterior re appearance review, um, which uh, entails everything on the exterior of their building, the, the awnings, the windows, you know, those types of details but they still need um, some approval from Glen Coast Plan Commission for plans on the inside of the building. So still a, way, still a bit of ways to go for this to become a reality, but plans are moving forward as village officials told us, and they're moving forward pretty quickly. So possibly a new addition coming in the form of a pizza restaurant to Glen Coast dining scene. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. A lot of new restaurants opening uh, in, the, in the North Shore and the New Trier area. Um, coming up this spring, summer. Um, so just keep an eye out for when all those do open. By the way, I guess, quick note that um, the, the the chicken place in Cluckers in uh, Plaza del Lago is open. Um, it did open. So check that out. Reported first by the record North Shore. Absolutely. Um, skipping down one town, going right over Tower Road to uh, Winneka, 
Um, and uh, this is more about Nutrier, so it covers a whole area, but they had a board meeting this week and they really started to put in motion or really lay the foundation for the 2021-22 school year. And, uh, you know, COVID has a lot to do with it. Yeah, it's crazy to say that already next school, the start of next school year is just a couple months down the road here. Um, so as you mentioned there, Joe, the planning for the 2021-22 school year is already underway and Nutrier is beginning to uh, set a lot of the groundwork for that year and what uh, what its learning operations will look like. So at that Board of Education meeting earlier this week, Nutrier Superintendent Dr. Paul Sally uh, told the Board of Education that right now the administration is planning and moving forward with uh, plans to have full daily in-person learning for both students and educators. So um, what that encompasses would be the typical, uh, quote unquote, typical school year of around 182 days of attendance um, with students attending five days a week. And obviously um, that is something that hasn't happened since March of 2020 before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, officials are targeting a bit of a return to normalcy um, in terms of attendance, but it sounds like uh, some mitigation measures, um, although some maybe maybe sunsetting some mitigation measures will still be in place next school year. Um, Nutrier said it's waiting on some guidance from both the Cook County Department of Public Health, the uh, Illinois Department of Public Health, and as well as the Illinois State Board of Education. So um, all the requirements and mitigation measures in terms of masking, distancing, um, maximum capacity, all those sorts of things are still up in the air as of right now because Nutrier is awaiting some some guidance from some from the from some of the higher governing bodies that provide um, that guidance. So we'll see what happens there. But the it sounds like the potential of Nutria's COVID nineteen screening program, saliva based screening program, could um, be not returning next year. Uh, officials at the meeting said that they're looking at uh, options and meeting with the uh, reopening advisory board to discuss the possibility of not bringing it back next year. Um, a lot of it is going to depend on what kind of research comes forward in the uh, coming weeks and months here about um, if, vac if those who are vaccinated against COVID-19 uh, can still be carriers of the virus. So um, it sounds like it's unlikely, but I should say there is a chance that that um, saliva screening program is back. Um, but it, it sounds like a, a not too great of a likely one. So a lot of changes, a lot of things happening. Uh, another thing worth mentioning uh, to our listeners here is that it'll also be a new bell schedule for Nutrier students next year. Uh, the board officially proved um, what is what they are calling a, a nine period rotating block schedule. So that's going to um, be different than what Nutrier has followed for the um, for for decades, really, which is its usual. Um, 50 minute classes. So they'll be rotating um, to what they're calling a, and excuse me, I should correct my earlier point. It's eight period rotating block schedule. So that is going to be, that is going, going to extend most classes to 80 minutes. And the, the current schedule that's in place right now has classes at right around 50 minutes. So uh, many changes coming for, for Nutrier, uh, both educators and students next year. And uh, we've got a story up on our website that breaks down a lot of what the early outlook for next school year is, is looking like right now. Yeah. And, and a lot of things, um, a lot of points in a lot of nuance to that story. So check it out on our site as well as all these stories, but moving down, moving, we're going to take a little, a little saunter West to Northfield. And we're going to talk about the vaccine clinic at Nutrier uh, at their, their Northfield campus that just passed a milestone. 
Yeah. So also at that board meeting on Monday night, Joe, we heard officials um, recap a bit of a milestone for the vaccination site at the at New Trier's Northfield campus. And that milestone is 10,000 uh, doses of a COVID-19 vaccine, vaccine administered so far. So if our listeners and our readers remember back to in early December, when we first reported the news that um, New Trier's Northfield campus could serve as a vaccine site, um, it was presented by officials that they would have a plan ready. They would have everything ready to go if the county was interested in use, in utilizing Nutria. But they had stressed and told the public that um, this is something that really is a long shot and is going to happen maybe down the road if it does happen at all. So now, uh, five months later after that and two months since it's opened, that just for reference, that clinic opened in, uh, in late February. It's now administered 10,000 doses, which is a very significant milestone. And, uh, you know, especially for what was once considered a long shot to even ever open to now surpass 10,000 uh, vaccine doses is really significant progress. And the important thing to note is that number is only going to continue to increase as well as um, several future, uh, including one, including several this week, first and second dose clinics will also be taking place. So that number is just going to continue and continue to rise. So um, pretty, pretty successful. It's, it's fair to classify it, I think, as a pretty successful vaccination effort at Nutria's Northfield campus. And moving um, back east toward the lake, we're going to go back to Wilmette in our southernmost town that we cover. And um, a, a longtime nonprofit, the Actors Training Center, is holding a their spring fundraiser this um, this actually this next week. It starts on Sunday. It's a it's an hour long video. Uh, in the digital age, they went virtual with it, and they're doing an hour-long performance-packed fundraiser. Um, it, it debuts Sunday, April 25th at 4 p.m. You can check it out at uh, the Actors Training Center's website. Um, you can get all that information on our website or just go right to the Actors Training Center. Use the Google. But um, they have a spring fundraiser everywhere. This one Every year, this one's a little different because of COVID, but um, it's also special as they kind of um, celebrate and, um, you know, promote and support their outreach that they've been doing over the past, past year. Um, you know, the pandemics allowed them to reach more people with their virtual classes um, and also uh, out of the North Shore, so also a changing demographic for them as well. And um, they're really trying to support those efforts in their outreach. Um, and it's emceed by um, the famed um, ATC alumna, Rachel Brosnahan, who's the star of The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and she was on Netflix's House of Cards. Um, so she she narrates, she emcees uh, the video, and there's a bunch of performances here from current and, and past students, as well as um, friends of the Actors Training Center, um, which uh, looks like I said, you know, trains actors and trains young performers um, with professional um, trainers with professional um, talent from the industry, from casting directors to um, producers um, to agents, things like that. So um, th they have a goal of $100,000, and I think they're on their way from what I heard from um, Executive Director Carol Debo. And um, you guys should check it out, um, see if you can uh, fundraise for a good cause, see if it's something you want to support. Again, it's the Actors Training Center's spring fundraiser called The Show Goes On, and you can find out all about it at their website or at our website. Um, which has some details, but uh, you can donate during the event. It's going to be live. I'm sorry, it won't be live for a week, but it'll be up for a week um, for you to check out and see if it's something that uh, that inspires you. So check that out too. And that is our up and down the shore. Um, 
thank you for checking those out. All those stories and much more from those towns are on the North, the record northshore.org. Our final, our final uh, segment is called the featured feature. And that is where we just talk about a, a profile we did or a community piece. And this one's on um, the vaccine hunters of Wilmette, a pretty cool story. I think we've detailed before the Wilmette caretakers program, um, which started out in the pandemic as a, um, as a way to help um, the elderly check on the elderly or check on the less mobile or the differently disabled, um, as well as, um, you know, help get them tested and things like that. It kind of, it evolved um, once we got the vaccine in December and January to a, you know, um, helping those same individuals um, get the vaccine and schedule the vaccine. They partnered with the Wilmette Women's Club. Um, and then, you know, once they did that, two of the volunteers, um, Ross Friedman and Susan Fortier, already had kind of the experience in getting the vaccines for um, family members or loved ones. And if you know anything about trying to get the vaccine, it's complicated and there's a lot of moving parts. And if you're not in tune with it, there's a steep learning curve for getting to the point where you kind of understand when and how to look for the vaccine. So both Ross and Susan said at the beginning of uh, the, the caretakers looking for vaccines, listen, how about, you know, we're the hunters and, and you guys kind of give us the list of names and take care of the logistics of, uh, you know, the, the names and, and the important information that needs to be documented and we'll go hunt for the vaccine appointments. Well, ever since then, it really took off with the vaccine, with the caretakers program, they've helped, um, I think over a hundred it is now, people get appointments just in Wilmette. But overall, uh, Ross and Susan have been working with other, um, whether it's local vaccine hunters or the Chicago Vaccine Hunters Facebook page or wherever they really can to volunteer their time and efforts to hunt down and you know slay these appointments and get them booked for locals. And they say they've they've document or they've documented uh, and scheduled over 700 appointments for locals, which is just a huge number. Um, I think Ross himself said he's, he's at 520 when we talked, which was a couple of weeks ago, but a really cool story about two people who really dedicate their time for others completely to finding these vaccine appointments. And, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll put it in their own words. You know, Ross said, we need to all be in this together to get out of it together. The quicker we get those shots in the arms, the quicker we can return to the life we had before the pandemic. So the more people are able to get out there and help, the better it is for everybody. Um, really cool stuff. And uh, you guys should check out the full story. It's up right now on our site, one of our top stories. Um, and I think Susan also said something I wanted to get to her quote too. She said, to the extent we can eliminate this disease and these deaths, we have to do everything we can. Um, just some real great altruism from these people and um, working for others to um, get us all out of this um, pandemic as quickly as possible or work toward that end. So pretty fun story, great quotes from those two and two people working hard for the community who are from our community. Yeah, really awesome and a great story. We're definitely uh, proud to share with the community. And I think what's especially um, great about this story, Joe, as you mentioned, um, you know, for those who aren't as, uh, as, uh, as well versed in, in technology or don't have great access or consistent access to a computer, um, booking a vaccine appointment is even then more of an uphill climb because of the challenges um, that are related to understanding technology with getting this appointment. So um, it's great that, that these two took it to the forefront and are helping out so many people who um, sometimes face challenges in, in booking vaccine appointments. So wonderful to see and uh, a great local news um, story here for everyone. 
Yeah, and in that story, it's it's worth mentioning um, that there is their link to their Google form, which basically is their sign up form. So if if you're looking for it, it's frustrating you. Trust me, you are far from the only one. Don't give up. Ask for some help. Um, you can go to our link and uh, click on their Google form and just fill it out, and they'll take care of it for you or let you know what you can do. So um, go to the recordnorthshore.org to check that out. And those are our three segments. Thank you guys for listening today. I hope you found it uh, insightful and helpful. Um, and uh, we're just going to give you a quick peek ahead where we have a, a group of stories with a fun collaboration that Marty hooked up. Yeah, we've got a great partnership coming up with uh, several students at Dominican University in River Forest. And um, we're happy to have them help contribute to the record. And we recently had them um, work on a couple local stories that you'll see up on our new site here in the coming days. So we're very excited um, for our readers to have the chance to um, check out some work from some new voices and, and some new writers that'll be on our site. So uh, among those stories, and we started the podcast with uh, some pizza discussion. So uh, of course we have to end with some pizza discussion. One of those stories is going to be about Will Matt's own, Le Will Matt's own lefties, which recently opened a second location in nearby Highland park. So we caught up with the ownership team over there at lefties and talked about the new location, got, all the great details about uh, everything that that goes into that and obviously the great success they've had here so far in their first few years in Wilmette. And then also, I'm sure some of you know, but I'm sure some of you don't, is that Wilmette is getting ready for a very big birthday celebration. It'll be celebrating its 150th anniversary next year. So plans are already underway for that. And we've got an early preview of what that might look like coming next year. So um, we've also got uh, an update on the uh, land swap agreement in Winneka that took place last year that involved the park district trading a parcel of land to uh, obtain a portion of Elder and Centennial Beach that will allow them to connect the two for a thousand uh, for more than a thousand feet of continuous beach space. So um, some really exciting local no local stories coming up from some um, very talented uh, students over at Dominican University. So we're excited for everyone to have the chance to check them out here in the next couple of days. Absolutely. Catch up on those and more at the recordnorthshore.org. We've also got all our uh, sports stories. We got uh, the latest week, week five football battles. We got those recaps. We're going to have uh, week six coming up after Friday night. Um, so um, tune in and check out those out or listen to the varsity varsity podcast uh, where we recap all that. So again, thank you guys for tuning in and, um, till next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.